You're listening to the Saturday Morning RPG Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My camera's not there. It's there. Welcome to the Saturday Morning RPG Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and uh, I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. I don't know. On my screen, you had paused in your camera pose, but that's okay. You're back to normal now. Oh, I don't know. Hiccups. Ooh. Dropped frames, probably. Who knows? I can't Changed read right. angles or something there. Yeah, so well, so I, I had my camera here, but then so many people were just like, are you cutting up bodies there? What's with all that plastic? Because we're remodeling the house. <laughs> so I moved it here to record uh, my uh, my video on the Easter eggs in the D&D movie. I don't know if you saw that, Lucian, but I made a video. I did. I watched yeah. every bit of it. And I thought that was fun. Uh, I, there were a couple more, and I was like, oh, I'll just do these ones. But um, I also have recorded my updated obelisk video, and that will be edited this weekend for next week. And I've got a couple other videos. I'm just trying to find time to do it. Um, and also, you know, it's it's hard when my house is in disarray. Uh, me and Seth Skorkowski actually are going through the same thing because he was complaining oh, about his house is under a remodel right now, too. And I messaged him and I was like, dude, I think I understand. He's like, yep, we're going through all of that. He's like, do you have that like quantum fine dust on everything? And I'm like, yep, yep. Every morning I wake up and I'm like, what? And you just find it everywhere. So, um. Chalky whitish dust of yes. drywall. It's sanding. Awful. Oh, <laughs> so it. awful. Uh welcome everybody. We're gonna we're a DD, well D D. We're an RPG talk show. We talk about D D stuff and a bunch of other things. Um and we have uh we usually start off with the news. And the big news, well, there's lots of news, but we're gonna talk about Lord of the Rings for 5e. Um it arrives May 9th from Free League. I am trying to remember who had the uh license before this who made the other lord of the rings game that got like pulled off the shelves you can't buy it anymore matt colville worked on one i think it was called like the one ring was it the one yeah one ring rpg there a few different companies holding the lord of the rings license for the tabletop yeah freely has the one ring there was literally like lord of the rings 5e uh, I probably have the PDF, actually. I should look it up. I should have looked it up before I started. Wah, wah. Um, but that uh, that version of The Lord of the Rings was pretty good. Like, I, I really liked that book. Um, and it was just kind of interesting because they, they can't sell it anymore for whatever licensing something that happened. Um, and I remember uh, WebDM even, they commented, like, if you can find a copy of that PDF keep it because it was like not telling you to pirate but there's literally no other way to get it um but this is the one ring it's very anticipated a lot of people are excited about it and it arrives next month so pretty exciting i mean it's really the other i mean is it the biggest fantasy world is it bigger than the dungeons and dragons fantasy world just in pop cultural sense and in it defined so much of D and D, you know, like like elves in D and D. I think are Tolkien elves because before that, elves were like little shoemakers that came in the night, you know, or they were like mischievous, whatever. Like Tolkien defined so much of D and D that I would say that it is uh, bigger. It's the yeah. quintessential fantasy yeah. world. Everything there are nice big fantasy worlds like it, or 
as big as it or as expansive. I mean, even just in the in the sheer of you could deep dive into the history and the lore and the canon of it. That's the biggest one. So to have a tabletop role playing game based on that makes total sense to me. <laughs> like, and I would even say real. currently, I think it's the biggest one simply because those movies were so popular and kind of defined a generation of, of myself. Like they came out right when I was in like a freshman in college. And like, it's all we talked about was the Lord of the Rings movies and reading the books and stuff. So um, yeah, I think it, it really, it probably is. I don't know. That's a, I mean, that's probably a hot take to say it's the biggest, but uh, they got, a, they hired Elijah Wood to do like a little intro for the, for the video. So he's like, Hey, there's an RPG. And uh, some of my friends were wondering, like, I wonder how much that costs. And I'm like, well, it probably costs some money for him to, like, endorse the thing. Um, but I don't think... Uh, but he's not playing a game of this with other cast That's members. Not... So He is... I saw a oh, YouTube is he? video where he is playing... I don't think there's other cast members, but he is in the game to play a Lord oh. of the Rings role-playing oh. game. I'm going to have to go back and find that now. And it said in Elijah Woods and I'm thinking, well, that makes total sense. I mean, <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, if you want, if you want a face for this, like that's a good one to have. And he's such a nice guy, but I, I was, uh, we were talking, I'm like getting him to play a game is probably going to be more expensive than him doing a 10 minute, like, yeah, it's really cool. And, Check it out. So. And Sean Austin. Yes. The other Samwise. The other Hobbit. Yeah. <laughs> he's done a Kickstarter, which I have backed and am still waiting for my hardcover copy of a TTRPG. Really? He's a big role-playing fan. He's oh. a huge gaming role-playing fan. Yeah. So Samwise, you could definitely get to play your game if you invited him, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Elijah is a mega nerd, they say. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I, I always felt that Lord of the Rings didn't translate to... Uh, I guess it's because I like magic and I like feeling like a superhero and playing in the Lord of the Rings. Those are very like magic is very unknown, which can be fun. Um, but and then the I think we've talked about this where like the ring is destroyed, like it's done. What story are you telling after that? What story if you tell a story before that, it's always kind of like, well, am I going to help this? Because I already know that they succeeded uh, open-ended things are kind of more our style, I feel. Uh, but would was, you play like, a Lord of the Rings game? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the tough part because you can't get the story of the Lord of the Rings out of your head when you're playing it because it's so iconic. It's so ingrained that how do you try to say, well, this is 100 years in the future, guys. So, you know, that's all been done. No big deal. We're not even, nothing will ever come up of the ring, but we're going to play in this world and we have this adventure set for you. I'm just like, how do you get your mind? I'm always thinking back, well, what are, what's happened to the hobbits? I want to go find out what's happened to, you know, have all the trees grown back from where's, where's Treebeard at this point? You know, I'm yeah. like, I can't stop thinking about that storyline and the characters in that storyline to think about me creating my own storyline in that world. So it's, it's tough. It's like, do you want to play in the critical role world? Do you want to play in the Lord of the Rings world? Do you want to play in, you know, I guess Harry Potter's world? But I guess well, that one I can actually, do. I think Harry Potter's a good example. But I was going to say Star Trek because it's so episodic. I feel like we could play a Star Trek or even a Star Wars, and I could make high stakes for my players that 
are not related to the empire or not this but for some reason lord of the rings it's like you you really did defeat the evilest of evils like the thing that was destroying middle earth and now it's gone forever and the elves are sailing away like there will be challenges but it will never live up to that feeling of like oh my gosh whereas i feel like i could tell a star trek story that does live up to that feeling of like the Borg are attacking, you know, because the Borg are still out there. They could still attack. I we don't haven't know. had a lot of spinoff from Lord of the Rings, right? We haven't had other stories during other times or other characters of Lord of the Rings. It's just the Hobbit well, and the Ring, yeah. you know. There, the there Rings, are the Rings right? of Power Amazon show. I don't know if you watched that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I agree. Like, a lo everything that we're doing is, like, precursor stuff, you know? Um, because it's, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. I... It, I don't know. Like, would you, I guess that goes to my question. Would you play or, or yeah, would, what are the classes? I mean, yeah. What are I we, know. I mean, sure. I think if there was a Five DM e. that was <laughs> enough and they're just like, Lucian, I love this world so much and I want to run a game and here's my idea for the storyline. Uh -huh. Here's what's happening. And they really sold me on what's happening. And then you're going to have a character that's in it. I'm sure I would, I would play but I don't know if I would ever try to organize a game of Lord of the Rings 5e and then either DM it or try to find a DM. Like I wouldn't be the catalyst for it, but I would do it if somebody offered, I guess yeah. would be kind of the. If someone was excited enough about it, I would join, but I'd, I'm not seeking it. Um, it's kind of like I would run a Star Trek game in a heartbeat. I don't, I don't mind Star Wars, but I would never run a Star Wars game. I just don't have that passion for it. Like other people do, fan, so. but if somebody said, I want to run you a star Wars game, I'd say, okay, I'll play in it. Like that sounds fun. So, um, but that's just kind of preference of fandoms and things like that. So I don't know. Jordan, do you want to be a Mandalorian and save Grogu? Uh, no, I actually, the one, the one star Wars game that I got invited to, I asked, I'm like, can I be R2D2? I want to be an astromech droid. And they're like, yeah, yes. you can totally do that. It's in the rules. And I was like, Yes, like, everyone's like, I want to be a Jedi. I want to do this. And I'm like, no, thank you. I want to be a, a robot. <laughs> and then they have an Ewok. It'd be a droid and Ewok. And then the, oh. here's the adventure. I mean, that that writes itself. Like, that's amazing. Yes. So yes. why are we not playing that right now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. This is kind of tangentially related to uh, tabletop role-playing games, but... Um, I think Netflix is Netflix is ordering a Stranger Things animated series, and I I'm really curious what this is going to be about. But I think they're acknowledging like the kids don't look like kids anymore, and Stranger Things is really popular. What are we going to do? It works for so long, yeah. right? For your cast without doing some crazy spending lots of money to maybe de-age or you know use some of that technology, but realistically you could run a show for 10 years your teenagers are going to grow out of it no matter who you've cast at that point yeah i mean we've th that 70s show like it all it happened with all of the anytime you're casting kids uh i haven't seen the new shazam but i was thinking about that too i'm like billy batson's getting bigger like you can't you can't always use him you know they you have a very small window to utilize that actor uh so this seems like a logical step I don't know. We don't know anything about it, uh, if it'll what it'll be. But I I think that Stranger Things will transition well into an animated show, you know, and and especially like a 
creepy horror kind of i mean it, it could work really well so we'll see here's the positives i see netflix also did the castlevania animated series which is freaking fantastic. It is really good, yeah. They have put in action sequence scenes that are so Dungeons & Dragons, it's unbelievable. That, yes, what we might get in this, though, which would be my hope, I would cross my fingers, is we might get more animated action of the kids playing their characters, which we don't get in the movies or the, uh, the show because it's more about them just kind of talking it out around the table, and then we go into what's happening in the real world but we could get more of what are their characters doing and that could be animated out into the action sequence of them fighting the Demogorgon and losing. And, you know, that whole first scene in that first episode, they're talking about that. We could see it, but, you know, we could see those things. So we could get more Dungeons and Dragons creatures. We could get more characters fighting in Dungeons and Dragons settings. Plus we're getting the Dungeons and Dragons movie I'm sure somebody's talking about bringing the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon back at some point, somehow. You know, with as much as they've they've been pushing it, I feel like that show is getting rebooted soon. Like, I could be wrong, but uh, hopefully in a more new and interesting way. The D- the old D&D cartoon, you know, but we know, like, Dragonlance show is coming. Um, mm-hmm. I think with the success of Critical Role, they're going to be looking at a lot of like, how can we do some animated cartoons and stuff? So, yep. I agree. Definitely. I'm excited. I love, I'm a huge Stranger Things fan, and I think it's definitely part of the whole tabletop community now because it brought so many other people in. I think, too, at that time, it's getting pretty popular, but then it brings in mainstream right back in, and it's just geek culture all through and through. So. Yeah. Um, this was just a fun article that I saw. I guess this should be under like discussion topics, uh, (laughs) but we were talking about it earlier, but like chat GPT as your dungeon master, um, there Mm -hmm. was, uh, this was just an interesting little article that it's like, Hey, uh, I'm a, I'm a DM. I've got kids that are like 15 and 23 or something. And we wanted to try and play a game together but let chat GPT be the DM. And it feels like it kind of worked in order to really understand it. He just, he's like, here's the, here's the transcript of like what they wrote and what chat GPT came out. But he said, um, Oh, and if you're unfamiliar with chat GPT, which I doubt you are, it is the AI uh, conversation that you can have um, and it'll, and it's blowing up the world right now. Um, But you know, they told like, Hey, you're no longer, a friendly assistant. You're now a dungeon master for 5e D&D. Because it's online, I'm assuming it's familiar with the rules because it kind of works. And so they say like, hey, our players are this. They We have a human paladin. He's level two. He's got this, da-da-da-da-da. And then the guy's like, okay. And yeah, it's like, I don't know. It just asks really interesting thing. Like the adventure starts in Aluendor, a hub of trade and commerce nestled along the banks of the Silver River. And it's like, as you walk into the city, you hear rumors of hidden treasures deep within the treacherous uh, wild thorn forests. Uh, locals speak of blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, is, and then they ask, is there a tavern? Yes, there's a tavern called the Silver, Silver Flagon. And yeah, it's just straight up, I don't know, like they make rolls and they do all these interesting things and they tell them what they rolled. and Yeah, like real rolls. Like, yeah, you could be like, I don't know. It, it uh, amazed me the, the things they were able to ask it and it was able to do. I mean, I think they said at some point it does it did start to break down a little bit, yeah. but it was just like that's just I mean that's just the first steps. That's 
Um, and I, there was a guy on YouTube that turned chat GPT into a old multi-user dungeon or an old mud, like the old, the old, mm -hmm. uh, text role-playing mm -hmm. games that were on computers. Um, and, uh, I think there was a documentary about them called get lamp. Cause you always had to type stuff like, like, look, and it would be like, you see this and you're like, walk forward uh, get lamp, you know, oh, I have to type get lamp in order to like pick up the lamp. Um, and he did a pretty good job of fine tuning it. And I think that was chat GPT three. And now we're at like five, like it's already building really, really fast. Uh, there could be a market for that. Like I'm, I'm literally thinking of people sitting around a table in the future and you have your Alexa at the table and everyone's talking and then they turn to Alexa and they're like, okay, like, what do we see? And Alexa, the DM Alexa is like, oh, well you do this and this and this. Okay, cool. Well, what do you guys want to do? And then you turn back, you tell Alexa. Um, obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously, I believe that human DMs will never go away because I like DMing more than I like playing. So I would like, I would enjoy running a game, but this is kind of a fun, weird experiment. I don't know. So... I mean, yeah, and I don't think we're too far away because you can do AI-generated voices. You can do AI-generated art. So you can do an AI-generated dungeon master. You could easily have a full campaign with maps and different voices for the characters you meet. And once it's able to remember all that's come before it, I think that's the thing is that it has to remember the things that have happened in each session so that it can always work and yeah. build on that. And once it can do that, once it can store all of that stuff and save it for the next time, well, yeah, you have an automated dungeon master just sitting there playing. And you as a group, because I know lots of people who have wanted to play Dungeons & Dragons, but have struggled to get a dungeon master or convince one of the people in the group to be the dungeon master. Because the groups I had always was in were the groups that wanted to be players. We were just hoping to get a dungeon master or hoping one of our friends would volunteer to play. So Dungeon Master was a a, uh, a hard-to-find commodity at certain times. I feel like maybe it's not that way now. I feel like there might be a lot of people that love to do Dungeon Master or are willing to do it. So maybe it's not as big a deal now. But just imagine that there are those groups that are like, well, we don't really want to be a Dungeon Master. We maybe not even know the rules very well, but we can all sit, to, sit at a table and play this, and it knows the rules. And it can tell us the rules and it can do all the things for us. And we can just have a, a great three hour night on Thursdays with, you know, our named whatever GM that's running us through some crazy mm -hmm. story that it's made up out of, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I, there was a, speaking of like DMs, I remember they said like, there's a lack of DMs for 5e, like a shortage. Um, mm -hmm. But the flip side of that in these videos is they're like, there's an overabundance of DMs in the OSR. And a lot of these other games, like, there's so many people that want to run games, and they're all writing interesting stuff. Um, and I think it's probably just because 5e is more popular and is more of an entrance into gaming, whereas OSR is, like, you've usually been playing a lot of other stuff, and now you're here, so you're probably more, you know... Uh, not saying that there's just, like, DMs sitting around in the OSR being like, I wish I had players, and, like, these 5e players, I wish I had a DM. Oh, we should just put you together. That's not what's going to happen, but... It's kind of interesting. Well, and I wanted to go at this because there are a lot of articles. There's a lot of YouTube videos now out there. There's a lot of stuff said on Twitter and stuff about 
ChatGBT and the Dungeon Master angle of it and just what it did and what it could do and that thing. But there's a couple other angles that I haven't seen people really explore. And I thought when I saw this in our notes, I'm like, okay, I want Jordan to help me explore this. Imagine the the reverse of what you said, though, too. Like you just said, I'd like to be a Dungeon Master, but maybe I can't get a group together to play what I want. What if you had a couple of different chat GPTs that were the players? That would be you really hello, chat GPT players. You are here. What would you like to do? You and know, they're just uh, all like to test this. like if I was writing something and I wanted to test a combat or something, that could be really interesting. Like if I wanted yeah. to test a scenario, uh ooh, I don't know. Yeah. So that was one angle I was thinking of that I don't think gets explained or or talked about as much. And then I was thinking, well, Sometimes if you are going to an AI, a chat GPT in this case, or a robot or an Android or whatever you would, you would be the proxy for this. The idea would be is you, you weren't able to find somebody, a friend, a family member that would do it. So you're trying to find an alternative because you just haven't been able to find a group of friends, one dungeon master, and that's all coalesced into a schedule that works. And, and great, you have that. But if you don't, you start looking for what else can I do? Because I don't want to not play. The answer isn't not to play. So then you're like, okay, ChatGPT could be my dungeon master. Uh-huh. So that's like the traditional role. The ChatGPT is your dungeon master. You have your friends and you play. Also, I could see like a solo version of this, like a one-on-one, right? Maybe I can't find a group of people to play with. I just want to try to play the game. It can be my dungeon master. I, it runs me through an adventure with my character and it's fun and it's a solo. But there was one other version of this that I thought, I wanted to kind of get your idea on. It's the idea of what about a co-op version of Dungeons and Dragons so that you didn't need a chat GPT to be your dungeon master. You didn't need chat GPT to be a player, but is there a version of role playing? And some people have tried this and I've seen it in a few different styles that the group comes together and can play a role playing game, but there is no dungeon master. We're all players. Uh, yes, the quiet year. Alice is missing. Um, Those two are the ones that pop into my head right away. Where, but you still have to have somebody who understands the rules. But uh, there's not a DM because you are a character and everybody's reacting to everybody else. So, uh, and I always wondered about it because, like in tabletop gaming is is synonymous to like video gaming so you have single players huge storyline art games you have multiplayer games but you also have co-op games so you really have this idea that's like the third kind of pillar of different types of way to play games solo pvp or co-op pve you know those are the three so i always wondered if tabletop could have all three we've seen pvp style tabletop I've seen some, you know, people run some tournaments and, you know, whether it's dashing through towers to see who can get the furthest, whether it's actual arena tournaments, we've seen critical. Well, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't call that PVP if you're trying to, Hey, cause yeah, they have tournament module things and DCC does this all the time where it's like, we're going to play through and then whoever, and then you add up points and it's whoever got the most points wins. Um, That's Mm -hmm. competitive, but that's not player versus player. That's not like me attacking somebody. So right, but there are there have been tournaments. I mean, Grant did one where um, the, the Daisy did one where um, 
it was two groups of players fighting against each other in a arena. Oh, really? Did, okay. Yeah, they did at Gen Con, and then to see who this, whose group was the best. I think they've also I done think, like, uh, Critical Con. Role did something like that too. They wanted to see how well their their like how well Vox Machina versus the Mighty Nine would happen. But yeah. So something like it's not as common. It's definitely not something that the TTRPG community gets into a lot of PvP because really I think competitive nature doesn't lend well to storytelling nature as much. Um, so I, I think that's why it doesn't come together as much. But it just made me think about with ChatGPT being a proxy for different pieces of this, could you just have the co-op version of this? Could you just have... Um, it could run a game between two groups that come together, you know, and it could be the thing that just says what's happening and tells us then the two groups are get to fight each other. So you could even do it that way. I think would be fun too. I think what we one really need to do is get five chat GPTs and make one, the dungeon master and four of the players and have them just play a game and watch, see what happens. Like <laughs> there is people who do that where they put, have you seen on, I, I watched this in gaming where they set up an AI campaign in a city building game like Civ or whatever, and then they speed through it to see which AI wins, and then they keep doing it over and over with the different. And they're fascinated by what those different AIs have chosen to do or how they reacted to the other AIs. And there's huh. a whole, there's a whole group of community behind yeah watching AI fight AI. <laughs> uh, well, we had a brief. Ch- I I realized I could do polls, and uh, I think it was. Uh, Somebody in chat said, "Hey, a quick poll. Does anybody think ChatGPT is good for like D and D?" And sixty percent said good, and forty percent said bad. I don't know, but I that probably is more of a extrapolation on how you feel about AI in general in the arts, because um, it's gotta yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. Planescape is coming. I wanted to mention these these next three items. I was watching. There's a video out on uh, D&D Beyond, and Chris Perkins is in it. Um, a bunch of people are in it. And um, Tristan and some of the people from Wizards of the Coast that are doing stuff, and then some of the people that are just kind of affiliated with them around a lot of the online stuff. So in it, they had this cool... They were showing a lot of art of the four books that are coming out this year. So they were talking about little tidbits, and they were trying to get little pieces of information out of Chris about the books that are coming out this year. And they showed this artwork for Planescape. And they, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about it is that they, they said they really wanted to tackle the look of Planescape again and really bring it into a modern age. And they, this was kind of like a picture of it. And then I saw the Modron all the way on the right. So I thought, I'm going to put this in because you have a Modron game going on. So why not? It has Modron. And I thought it was kind of cool. I'm guessing maybe you can play a Modron in this new book coming out maybe is is the way i'm thinking about it maybe a, a modron that's been um sentient or what happens when a modron they're is them, no longer following yeah they call them rogue modrons when they break away yes. from like the actual and a rogue modron is just a modron that won't take orders and so if you don't take orders then you've gone rogue and the other modrons try to kill you because then your essence will go back to modronville and you and a new modron will be made but the rogue Modrons don't want to die, so they run away. So there are rogue Modrons. Uh, in the original Planescape for 2E, there was a, a race rule where you could play a Modron. And so I would not be surprised at all if they put it into this uh, thing. Bring it in. That'd be so good. And then so also in that, he uh, he said, Chris Perkins said Sigil. No, Sigil. 
as if gif so he must be a gif not jif guy because mm. he said sigil and then he confirmed that if you like donuts then you like sigil because sigil's a donut it is it's shaped like a donut but we all know it's a taurus there's no mathematical donut there is a mathematical taurus so uh we had a about this earlier which made me laugh a lot yeah we were arguing about uh because yeah in our notes he's like it's confirmed that it's a donut and i'm like no it's a taurus and you're like chris said it so and i'm like well chris is wrong which then hurt me to write because chris is never wrong he's so cool um but no a tour it's it's interesting because when they created pathfinder they were talking about like what would be the central hub of like the upper and lower planes and from a math perspective, it's just interesting because if, if they collide in on itself, it would do this. And that's where, like, Sigil is just this really interesting um, finite space in infinite space. And I thought, I always thought it's really cool how they came up with it. Yeah. And um, I think I yeah. saw the titles of the books in that video. So I think that one was Planescape is like the Adventures in the Multiverse, I think is is the t tagline they're going with that mm -hmm. they also talked about the deck of many things book and chris in that video confirmed that the deck of many things is not only 22 cards anymore which is what everybody would have thought of as the deck of many things there are many more cards now and they're adding cards and it's going to be a bigger deck and it sounded like he said in that it's a product i think you get a deck of many things physical product with deck of many things book yeah, I, I would argue. I think you do, unless they're selling it separately. But they, they did say they are making a physical deck that you can get. Yeah. And so maybe it's so part of it. Maybe cool. it's bundled together. I don't know. Yeah, that, so that was pretty cool. Um, so Deck of Many Things, and they were really exploring everything around that. And the artwork looks fantastic in that, because I think the, the different artwork that you can have on the deck and then how it, it affects things is pretty cool. He talked about Vengar. And them getting to use uh, Avenger, oh, Venger, yeah, Venger, Venger back, and they said he said they're going at the angle that he's a red wizard, and I don't know if that really? had ever been said. No, that's where they're. He's a he's, he's a Cambian. He's like a half wizard. half devil, half thing. Like he's a sorcerer. Yeah. He's like an evil guy, but like he's straight up a Cambian. So I thought that was weird that they're making him a red wizard, but who knows? Yeah. So there's some angle going on with that, and then they talked a tiny bit about the Fandelver book and it sounds like in the box that it had or the way they're making it is they're putting the original fandelver also into this so you can have that piece of it somehow or at least a oh the starter set will just be included in you don't have to go play the first one to play this one oh okay and then the one thing he said in there that i thought was super interesting is i think the name of it was fandelver and i think it's something like the broken obelisk or the fractured obelisk or something and it heavily is going to get into the obelisk story for sure yeah. so and i know that's a big it's a big thing for the jordan youtube channel <laughs> for the for the conspiracy theorists like myself <laughs> um no that is really big and it's pretty interesting that like we've talked about it on the show before where you know they they have things planned out like 5 6 years in advance and so dropping these obelisks, they knew that they were going to build up to this. And uh, it's just kind of fun that the fans caught it and that we're like, what's going on with these? And now it's all coming together and Vecna is going to be the big bad of, of uh, the thing, which it feels like a 
Marvel Cinematic Universe in that we got little movies about character, you know, about different villains, and now it's mm-hmm. all kind of coming together. Um, and a lot of people complain about this iteration of the realms, and this is kind of a, a leak into or a spoiler into my obelisk video that I haven't released yet, but um, they're talking a lot about the multiverse. And so you have uh, Out of the Abyss, and it's like, you know, that's a huge thing that happened. What's the timeline for that? And Wizards is always like, oh, we don't, we don't, yeah, you know, we don't really know. And then you think about, like, what happened down in Chult and the Death Curse. It's like, well, was the Death Curse happening the same time as Out of the Abyss? And like, oh, you know, we don't want to talk about it. I think what we're going to see is that there are parallel worlds of the Forgotten Realms. And Out of the Abyss happened in one. And Tomb of Annihilation happened in another, but not, none of them ever like crossed like that. And this is how they're going to make products going forward, where it will be like, here is this sliver of the realms. Uh, and that could be good or bad for fel- fans. I think it's very difficult to control a living world of the Forgotten Realms, which they were trying to do back in the day, um, which is a cool idea, but really frustrating and hard to kind of control and and to keep everybody on the same page it's a lot easier to be like here's a random adventure that happened in realm 616 as opposed to realms 528 or something um so with this multiverse like jumping between things i think planescape is going to really define that uh and and vecna will be the person that bridges those planner barriers of parallel realms kind of thing so for those yeah. of you that don't know uh, 616 is an area code of michigan one of them oh really there you go <laughs> <laughs> oh and there was one more thing in there uh tidbit wise or canon now um that i thought you would be interested in do you know why big b's spell big b's hand why the hand is so large because it's gotta grab things i don't know it was a spell he because and you know the next book is about Bigsby presents giants. Oh, yeah, Bigby's giants. Yeah, yeah. So it's he could high five giants. That's oh, confirmed by Chris that's Perkins confirmed also. by Chris Perkins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. That's why he made that spell was simply to high five giants. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Chris. That's great. <laughs> uh, that's cool. That's interesting. Have you have you used the deck of many things in a game? Or, or Ben, have you done anything with it? No, it's I, never yeah. popped up in my games. I was curious because uh, I, for some reason, I didn't know that it was 22 cards. And when I did it, he had like a full 52-card deck. And then we looked up the card that I pulled with that. But I'm wondering if they just extrapolate... Um, the cards. So it's like, you know, there are three versions of this card and that's how they make a 22 card deck into a 52 card deck. Uh, There's something about a 13 card deck and somebody in the, in that video mentions the 13 card and the 22 card. So I wondered if there were different versions of the deck too, that had those numbers. It was like now confirmed. Maybe if you take out some of the bad cards so that you don't like insta die or something, but um, or maybe they're talking about the Taraka deck, which is the uh, the fortune telling one from Curse of Strahd, which is a different set of cards. Uh, but oh, I, I, I don't know. I, that's what I was wondering. I don't know off the top of my head. But uh, expanding the deck of many things into a larger one, and 
with 5e design being we don't want to punish the player or hurt the player, I wonder how they will handle the really bad things that are part of the deck of many things. They're still in 5e. Like, if you read the 5e ones, like, you can lose levels. You can lose all your magic items. Uh, the angel of death can appear, and you have to fight it one-on-one. -on -one, and if your players help you, you insta-die, you know. Uh, those things are still there, but they're very... Uh, they're very anti-5e design, in a way. Um, even though I like those things, so I don't know. But it's very... Like, it's this balance of, like, how do we make it fun for the players, but also... Uh, be authentic to the original design of the deck of many things. Uh, so expanding upon that, I'm like, are you expanding it so that the really bad things have a very small, a much smaller chance of happening? You know, that might be the, actually, now that I think about it, that might be the design is like, if we just make it so that it, there's a, like a one in 52 chance, it's a little easier, a, a much easier pill to swallow than a one in 22 chance of, you know, insta dying. So. Insta death. Insta death. Uh, yes. Um, chat reminded me that Acquisitions Incorporated funded and is moving forward. So they they got my money. They took my pledge. That was cool. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, just I don't know. Like I really like Hulkins. I love. I really like Mike. I like those characters. I think Jim Dark Magic is like one of my favorite characters that I've I've seen play in tabletop and. Uh, I just, I don't know. It's kind of character I would want to play. Just like a really eccentric kind of like starstruck magic user. I think it's awesome. Um, and it's been fun to see the journey of that. I'm, I'm really curious of all the people. And I did finally catch the latest Acquisitions Incorporated and it was very, very good. Um, and I, I had not watched a lot of games with, uh, I forget her name, but her handle is that bronze girl, but she yeah. plays Omen's, is it daughter yeah. or niece? daughter daughter she plays omen's daughter so well like she is <laughs> yeah. she has embodied that character where she's just like oh like the finances is not right and she's like constantly focused on business and was just a joy to watch it was very funny so yeah. their corporate version of D, D is so good so it's like funny. the office to me and that's like one of my beloved sit down watch sitcoms to ever go back to is, mm -hmm. is the office and i think that's why i love hacking so much because it's like office and D. &D. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, thank you, Jasmine. Thank you, Sky. Uh, yep, do you sure. think the Raven Queen will play a part in the Vecna Obelisk adventure? I don't know if the Raven Queen will come back. She's definitely popular. A book on Raven Queen. Uh, she is the most popular thing to come out of 4, 4E, I think. And I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um. Or will they make it like Orcus versus Vecna? Because I know those two are fighting about who should be like the god of necromancy and stuff. So, well, Chris said in that video too, and I I had never heard this before that Vecna is the god of secrets. In um, Fori, he was a they they elevated him to a deity in Fori, um, and actually in in Second Edition, that was the whole. There were three, th watch my Vecna video, but there were three adventures. <laughs> and the first one is Vecna in uh, Oerth in Greyhawk. And then he gets banished at the end of that to go to uh, 
Ravenloft, and he's in a demiplane of the Domains of Dread, and he can't get out. And then when he finally is able to get out of that demiplane, he travel, he ascends to godhood, and that is how he gets out of that demiplane. And he winds up in uh, Sigil, and gods cannot be in Sigil, so Sigil is like destroying itself. And like it's one of those things like the impossible has happened. Uh, a reality is tearing itself apart. And so the adventurers need to go in and make sure Vecna leaves. But when he, when he, and, and I forget exactly how that ends, but when he is, does leave Sigil, I think it's, he's still a god and he ascended up. But yeah, in fourth edition, he was, they made him a god because it was just kind of like fun, like Vecna, the god of secrets. Um, but he isn't mm-hmm. a deity in 5e. So I don't know. Maybe they'll, yeah. maybe they'll make him a deity. So. <laughs> Uh, but I think it could be fun if they bring it into 5e. Like, he was the god of secrets and he died. Or or maybe he he has kept himself a secret until now when he needs to come back. So uh, definitely going to tie him into the Book of Vile Darkness because the stat block for him, the picture has the Book of Vile Darkness, like, in his chest. So lots of crazy I stuff. think he is probably the best. and they, Or they can make him into the best quintessential D&D villain. Because the the artwork, the stuff that's out there, the storylines they could tell, that to me is even better than like Tiamat as being the big bad or some of the other ones that you know that you could consider being the big bad. I think Vecna's the perfect one. I think that's the one you just go with and run with as the big. When people say who's evil in Dungeons and Dragons, you want people who've never played to say Vecna. You know, like they don't yeah. know anything else. But they know Vecna's the bad guy of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> well, and I think uh, it's kind of like, like, uh, like Tiamat is just big and a monster and will eat you. But it's probably the same mm-hmm. reason that people like Strahd in Curse of Strahd. Like he's a very like focused, evil, calculated character, and I think Vecna feels the same way. Uh, but that's just from reading past adventures and lore. You know, like we don't have a lot of stuff on Vecna, in all honesty. So. Kind it sounds like we're going to start getting more, though. So I that's think we will. Really cool. yep. So I checked for some Oh, he was a god in three. To... Okay. Apparently he was god in third edition. Sorry. Oh, all right. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the finishing, I did go and see if there was anything from Paizo. I didn't see anything new that we didn't talk about uh, last week. So I, it seemed pretty much what we had already said. So didn't see anything there. But I did jump over to Modifius, and I did see that they are partnering with another company and they're doing a blood and doom kickstarter tabletop role-playing game basically a dark fantasy tabletop role-playing game this is a d10 dice pool so i thought that was interesting and um you might go over and check it out it's on kickstarter right now but you can also get to it from the modifius site just to see if you want to see any information about it artwork drew me in like i saw the picture of the artwork i'm like okay let me read a little bit more into this and see what's going on and I thought it looked pretty cool. Have you have you heard of any um, D10 dice pool systems out there? What's your thought on on the White D10? Wolf is the only one that really comes to mind off the top of my head, but um, yeah. but no, that's usually like you have a success on a ten or a nine or something if you're really skilled in it, and then you could either be I'm more skilled, so I get more dice, or I'm more skilled in that I succeed on a seven, eight or nine, as opposed to just a nine or 10, you know? So uh, I don't know. That could be, uh, I, I like the idea of them. So 
Uh, so some highlights of the core rules, not that I've read them, but you guys can go out there and look at it. Blood they have things like called blood points and doom points. So that to me are like a, some games call them bennies or some games call them fate points, I think, things like that. Um, the system, you don't track hit points. You track wounds, injuries, and madness and trauma yeah. instead. That sounds interesting. Wounds and madness no. and stuff. That's a, That feels like a... a white wolf Cthulhu. kind of thing well no like uh you don't have hit points you know a lot of these a lot no. of these uh, games like that you don't use hit points so yeah uh no set initiative order not sure how that'll work but okay that sounds interesting um so those were just some other things and then yeah they say hey if you're a 5e player you'll be a fan of this too but that would be anything that i think a, a kickstarter would say yeah. so interesting um i thought it looked cool i think the artwork is very conan like very um what is it called a uh, swords and sandals or sorcery and you know there's always that term for the conan style of fantasy versus a uh, forgotten realm style of fantasy or a high fantasy. oh so it's not like, sword and sorcery that sword would be forgotten sorcery realms. kind of fantasy yeah, yeah. Um, um i wanted to say that they it from the page here it says that their creative team includes writers from runequest dune adventures in imperium star trek adventures conan adventures in the age undreamed of uh, the hero system and the one ring. So some cool people seem to be working on it. A lot of stuff Although they didn't name so them. Think, uh, they just kind of said that they, we had some people, so who knows? And those are a lot of people that, those are the games that a lot of Modifius is a part of a lot of those yeah. games they, that they mentioned there too. So it kind of does make a little bit sense. But while I was there, that was the only real news I saw, but it did generate a show discussion, which was a little bit into, um, I saw this when I was on Modifius's site is they showed a picture of Star Trek Lower Decks, which I think we are both a fan of and have said on yeah. the show before. Um, love Star Trek, love the humor of what Lower Decks is and what the what it's trying to do. And with its couple of seasons, I think they're in the season three at this point. They may even be further. Season four, um, I think. Yeah, you know, it's coming up. You had mentioned that you're people are thinking about doing a Star Trek game. They want you to run one. You're excited to maybe run one. It may all happen. It could happen. My question then, where am I leading this to, is would you do a Lower Decks style adventure for them? Or are you going to do a more traditional, I don't know, the next like generation Captain, story? Yeah, a so... Yes, are you going to be like are you going to be like the the you know the people that have to go scrub the turbo lifts or are you going to be the captain and the med chief medical officer? Um I w I was leaning towards that because it feels more like like you want to be in control of the ship but it it's really about the story you want to tell and I don't know the story yet. But I love Lower Decks and I love the tongue in cheek uh like if you're a Star Trek fan, it's really all references. So I don't know if it if it translates to people who are not Star Trek fans as well. Fans, but uh, as a Star Trek fan, like I think the show is hilarious. And I think I've even written that I was like, when I was watching it, I wrote on Twitter that I'm like, Hey, I really want to run a lower decks game. Like, I think that would be fun. So the fact that they're coming out with this lurkers game, um, 100%, I think I, I would run something like this. I think it would be a lot of fun. Um, and did you read what lurkers is? like it, a little bit yeah like he had written uh an adventure i thought yeah so yeah. it's it was a, yeah. a story pitched for a 2006 star trek anthology or something but the idea is that there was a leaking subspace uh relay 
that was then projecting all of the transmissions from the Federation to a planet and the planet picked him up. And so now you have uh, this planet that has grown with Star Trek in their lives, their whole lives. And so when they're actually discovered, it's like, oh my gosh, you're Captain Janeway. You're this, like, that's so cool. And you have a planet of Star Trek fans, a planet of Trekkies. And that's the yeah. joke. And so they were saying like, this makes for a perfect lower decks, like, game basically game. and we're going to utilize this yeah. because you can throw in all those references uh for my players i think they would love it like i think they would find it so so funny and it would like throwing in references here and there so i love this idea and i'm very excited for this um and this gets yeah. so far home because i just watched galaxy quest again <laughs> two days on netflix and enjoyed every single minute of that movie once again and just thought it's such a great concept. Just the con the story concept. We we intercepted your historical document, mm -hmm. your, your show on history. We were so impressed that we decided to shape our our culture, our culture around, around it. Yeah, the history of your culture. And then it's the actor standing there going, "Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean a historical culture? You you based everything? We built this ship on trying to figure out how you guys did it. I just." Everything about that is so good. And I was hoping that's the type of game you run for your players because it's just so fun. And that was, I guess I was wondering, what tone were you thinking about going with too? Did you want it to be a funny tone? Did you want it to be more of a, a, a serious tone, like a serious episode? Um, or, or did you want more of a, a comedic yeah. angle? To and I don't know. Like, uh, I should try and run a serious game. I think... Um... I think Invisible Sun was going to be like my my dip into being like a super serial kind of, but oh, I yeah. I always just want to laugh and have fun with my players. Like I'm very much a you know let's just beer and pretzels and just have a good time. As much as I have streamed games in the past, this probably won't come as a surprise, but I I like playing at my table with my friends and not not making it a performance because it is just like fun to sit down and play and not stress out about like, is this interesting? Are, how many viewers do we have? What's chat saying? Like we're just, and if we get on a tangent talking about how cute my dog is like, that's fine. You know um, it's very different streaming a game. And when I'm not thinking about streaming it, I'm always like, well, I just want to have fun and laugh with my players. And so a serious game never really pops into my mind, but I should try one sometime. Be super serial. I don't know. I should try it. Once. Should try being super serial one time. Maybe, maybe I'll finally play that Invisible Sun game. Probably won't really want to. That uh, all kind of came together, and I just thought these were all things that I know Jordan was into. I'm super interested for when this game happens and hearing all about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and I think Lurkers yeah, and was and a it's cool it's a it's a game. I mean, it's part of Star Trek Adventures. It's going to be like a module you can buy to like run a lower decks game. Um, and I think that'll be really fun when it comes out. So, uh, wait, 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 wait. Is this out? Grab a copy of Lurk. Oh, it is. The USS Cerritos Lurkers. You can buy it for $5. I didn't even realize this. I'm getting it right now. 100%. Check out. Okay. Well, we'll worry about that later. I'll put links down below. Um, I've been reading the Black Sword hack, which is uh, a a hack of the black hack, which is an RPG. That's very, very good. Um, and you and have then, a hack of the hack. I have a hack of the hack of the hack. 
and I wanted to talk about uh, Doom Dice because I thought it was kind of an interesting idea to put into really any uh, D20 RPG. And when something bad or weird happens, uh, or if you go down to zero hit points, or if an omen, like any time that there's just like, I don't know, maybe you could even say when you roll a natural one, you would roll your Doom Dice. And how Doom Dice work is it's kind of like we've talked about in the past, or maybe I talked about this with Lex. I'm sorry, I forget. But um, (laughs) ammunition. So it's like, I have a D10 arrows. And after every fight, you would roll your D10 arrows. And if it's ever a one or a two, it goes down to a D8. And then the next time you would roll and it's like, okay, I rolled a six on my D8. All right, you still have a D8 of arrows. But the idea is that every time you're using arrows, you would roll it. And on a one or a two, it goes down a a die step. Um, This is the same thing, only it's doom. So every time a doom thing happens and the game actually has a lot of ways for you to utilize doom like i could i could take on doom to get advantage on this roll but then i have to roll on the doom die and if it's a one or a two my doom die goes from a d8 to a d6 and that's that's worse for me and if i ever go to a d4 and i roll on the doom die and it's a one or a two and i go to zero you are considered doomed and it has all these negative implications for you until you can get undoomed but i I kind of like that risk and reward, and I'm surprised that I haven't seen that in more RPGs. And I, I read a lot of RPGs, and it's usually from the mindset of how could I incorporate what I liked into a bigger game? Um, and this made me think of, like, the Shadowfell. Like, if you wanted the Shadowfell to feel really, really oppressive, I would have to come up with what Doomed meant in the Shadowfell. But I like the idea of... Uh, there's this weight hanging over you. And whenever certain things happen, you have to roll on your doom die and it goes from like a D eight to a D six to a D four to you're doomed. So that was, I don't know. I just wanted like, what do you think about that? <laughs> I like that. And, but in my, let me tell you my head version. When you said the words doom die, this is what popped up into my head. What if as a dungeon master at the start of each session, you put out in front of you three giant, black dice (laughs) they are the doom dice right three of them and during the game at any point where you want to introduce more tension you think things need to be ratcheted as a dungeon master think of a gm intrusion for cypher players and in the the money cook system anytime that you think ah it's going a little too easy for the players you can reach out in front and grab your doom die and as the person's about to do whatever they're going to do they say, I want to do this thing or this thing. And you're like, okay, but you're going to roll with the doom die when you do it. And then <laughs> it has rules. Like if it has, like you said, a one or a two means this thing happens. Or what if it's rolls double numbers? So 11s or, you know, whatever it could be this thing or like, or maybe it's evens and odds do something like, and you know, I only get three of them, but the idea is to generate tension with the party yeah. because they see the doom dice in the front they're wondering when you're going to use it. They're hoping you don't choose your turn when you decide, oh, no, I got to use a Doom Die to make my attack. Damn yeah. it. <laughs> you know? And they know that you have and three. That's the other cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they know how many you get. They know, but they don't know when you'll use them. And they and it has a lot of different maybe, maybe it's just like a big set of tables that you've created. Yeah. And it can be just all kinds of stuff that doesn't relate to rolling high to hit. It just means if you roll a seven on the doom die while you're trying to do this thing, yeah, 
here's some things that are going to happen. Yeah. So if I attack, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So if I attack and I roll the doom die, then it's like, I could still hit, I could still do all my regular damage. But the fact that I rolled a 12 on that, then we look at the table and I'm like, oh, a 12 means that, you know, I don't know, you, something happened, something bad. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of a cool idea too, actually. It's like a, that's like a reverse inspiration. You know, yes. like instead of giving inspiration out for something good, the DM has like, oh, I have this malicious thing yeah. to give out, which actually reminds us, reminds me a little bit of the Mazes RPG that I haven't, that we played. We played Mazes mm-hmm. at Gen Con. The DM actually has some of these dark things that they can, uh, whether, depending on the light, I don't know, that was a weird game, but uh, I, I'm not saying it in a negative way, but I need to research it more before I comment further, I guess, so... <laughs> Well, I always liked how Monty Cook explained it because it, it, when he was talking about GM intrusions, there's times where there's just oh, yeah. a span of really good luck for players and things are going just a little bit too easy for them. It's going a little too well and you want to entice them to embrace something going wrong. So in that game, you you can offer, you can say, do you want a GM intrusion? And if you take it, you get an experience point, which will help you level up but it's enticing you to embrace something going wrong. Mm-hmm. And I like that idea, but I also like the idea of you controlling a little bit of that tension as a dungeon master with your party and using it as like a, you might go to pick it up and you're like, oh, you want to attack that creature? And then you're like, okay, you know, and then you take it reaching <laughs> for the doom dice and you, you could just play so many fun. That's where my head went when you said doom dice. I'm like, oh my God. But I do like I do like what you were talking about a way to go from a higher dice down to a lower dice down yeah. to a lower dice to, to the epic doom if yeah. you get too far down that track. And so That's it's, cool I don't too. know, it's kind of like, it, it's it's a weird because I, I don't want another resource to track when I'm playing RPGs, but this doesn't necessarily feel like that. I just know like, oh yeah, my doom is at a D8. And they're like, okay, cool. And so you kind of just, I don't know, I like that. Uh, they also mm-hmm. use the example of what if, you do something and somebody owes you uh, like a favor or they're indebted to you in some way. And so you go to them and you're like, Hey, I need you to do this for me. And they're like, okay. And maybe that debt is a D six. Well, you, you keep, he he'll keep doing stuff for you until you roll a one or a two. And then it goes to a D four and then it goes down so that, uh, you you know, we don't really know when the debt's going to be paid off and it's still luck of the dice, but I, I don't know. It's just really interesting. It's kind of fun. So be like that those are both good i think those are both cool ways to use something like that a doom doom dice sound maybe cool doom dice software. will be in our uh cliff game that we're gonna write at some yes, point <laughs> doom dice. sure the rope you're on has frayed and snapped yeah but it is it's kind of like gm intrusions now that you say that i think that's a good way to put it too or your idea is like kind of like that so yeah um yeah what, what do you want to talk about i mean we got two minutes what do you want to talk about <laughs> I, uh, our, we didn't play our game, so um, we're hoping play, maybe we'll... I guess I played uh, Modron like March. But... Yeah. But guess what I did? I, while I was sitting here doing my research for the show this morning, I went over to the Nexus site where Pathfinder 2E is hosted for its character. It's in alpha. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize I could hit the alpha button and it would let me create characters. I don't know if this is true for everybody because it said closed alpha, I assumed you had to be invited to a closed alpha. Oh. I created a character this morning, a level one wizard using Pathfinder 2E's online character generator, and it's slick. It's cool. super cool in its alpha stage. Um, I'm super excited because that was the cog 
that I needed to be completed to run my Pathfinder 2e game. And I may just now be able to do it because now you can create characters in Pathfinder 2e, I think. I mean, I created one this morning. It might not have all of the extensive books, but if you have the base book there, that's where you want to start. So yeah, that sounds awesome. It had a lot of stuff in there. I think it had more than what was in the base book. But yeah, I think it's, I haven't explored it completely yet. And I just played around a a tiny bit with going through. I like how it sets out your choices. I Mm -hmm. like how the buttons interact with things. I like how the artwork and the UI style is. It's a darker style, so it's not bright white in your face, which I love. So it's like a night version of a, of a web browser. Um, maybe you can go there to their site and it works for you too. I don't know if it's just some people can do it and some can't. I don't know if it, because they say closed alpha doesn't mean open to me, but I was able to create a character and I'm going to go and create a bunch more characters just to play around with it. So that was my big news of the day and think oh i'm gonna i get to create some pathfinder 2e characters that's really cool i mean we've been talking about you gotta you gotta do that pathfinder game been talking about it for so long i'm ready now i'm ready um yeah we did uh great motor on march which was fun they uh the big reveal is that the the guy that they've been uh the guy that instigated the great motor on march is uh actually uh, Orcus, and so now it's like, oh, and so I'm gonna have him level up soon, and I'm trying to decide if I want him to get. I don't think I, I'm gonna get him to 20, because they're gonna be level 15, but that's a lot of that's five levels to get him to 20 before the Orcus fight. Like that, that just feels like years of play. So I think we might, or they're 14 right now. So and I'm gonna level them up to 15 soon. So I think we're gonna do, like maybe an Orcus fight at like level 16. I'm not sure, but. I don't know when it's too difficult to fight Orcus or or what level do you have to be? But then LB made me sad because she's like, yeah, we're fighting Orcus in our other game. I'm like, dang it. Apparently, uh, Indoor Adventure ran him through something and Orcus was the big bad in that one. And I'm like, oh, well, you're going to fight him twice. (laughs) This is a better Orcus. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, this one's got like flames on the side so he's faster it's cool yeah uh but yeah um we're plugging along with that game having a lot of fun so it's uh it's interesting we get online to play and we always just want to like chat and catch up with each other and it's like oh yeah i guess we should play the game (laughs) like i get the sensation that like it's really just like we just like we should just have a night to chat i'm like yeah um cool well i'm gonna read that lurkers game that i just bought so i'm very excited for that i'm always trying to find stuff i know you'd like Thank you. Very exciting. Um, other things I've been reading DCC and I've got uh, the Venture Maidens book that came in the mail and I need to read through this. Have not yet, but uh, that took a long time to come out, but I'm very proud of Celeste for writing such a cool world. I like it a lot. I think that's our show. Anything else? We made it. We made it. We made it to the end. We did it. That was enough, I think. Wasn't we it? We did it. <laughs> so good. Uh, um, Thank you guys for watching and hanging out with us this fine Saturday morning. We will be back next week, correct? You're here? I'm here? Uh, I might be camping next week. Okay. All right. I'll figure it out. Otherwise, I'll just hang out with you. I don't know. Um, Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you in, uh, well, next week, if not uh, later. But take care, everybody. Thank you. (laughs)